Hello and welcome to another episode of What High School Did You Go To? I'm Gabe DeVerge. And I'm Chris Hatfield. Gabe, we just watched one of the most... I don't even know. We, we weren't able to function when we were just preparing for this podcast for just what happened in the World Series. Yeah, we've been we've been like talking for like 20 minutes and we just started, you know, talking and, and preparing for for, you know, making our final preparations for the show as this World Series uh, controversy has happened, which you'll probably be reading about um, in which <clears throat> a probably a historically like will, will be remembered terrible call for the end of time was made in the world series and uh the game is under protest chris which we don't really understand we don't have a whole lot of answers (laughs) as i as i told you seeing everyone freak out about it and then seeing john clayton come across my timeline saying that the seahawks are wise not to trade rashard penny just absolutely (laughs) delighted my heart because i feel like that's just the nfl thing to do um it, it, it made me very happy, but wow, dude, that was <laughs> absolutely bonkers. And absolutely bonkers. That's probably the only way to put it. And uh, we could probably talk about it for a while. I think it just, it's the top of the ninth now, right? I think it's about to be. Uh, it's the bottom of the eighth, actually. Yeah. So, well, yeah. I, well it just ended, right? So, yeah, I think. Yeah. Uh, okay. So let's talk about the the big story, you know, the, that that we wanted to get to before really starting the Louisville talk of the show, and that's the NCAA's news. Chris, uh, their board of directors, I believe, uh, has announced that they are basically open. Um, they they are informing the public that they're open to the opportunity, quote, the opportunity to benefit from the use name, image, and likeness for college athletes. Yeah. Uh, which is a, in theory, a momentous occasion. The NCAA is open to the idea of being open to <laughs> letting players profit over their own likenesses. Right. And Chris, what was your, you know, reading this story and we we were talking a little bit about it before what does this what does this mean for you about the ncaa and what do you expect from the ncaa in this i mean you know it's kind of odd how late late to me in the day that these stories break first of all i don't i I never really understood that like it seems like to me that if the ncaa wanted to get out and promote this story and this is a decision they knew they were going to make it would be you know, headline news first thing in the morning, and it wasn't that. So that to me was a little interesting. But I, I, I like, man, I, I don't know. Um, we know that the media kind of took this and ran with this and really promoted it. Mm-hmm. You know, the way it really wasn't intended to be. We didn't that. Yeah, we'll get bit, to that. Like, we'll definitely get to that. But like the the word opportunity is so gray, right? I mean, like right. it, it, an opportunity to me suggests that that the NCA abused players negotiating these things or names, image lightness is a privilege rather than a right <laughs> and, and to me that's like a, a big big like almost a non-starter at, at that point because it's like you know it's it's not an opportunity man like this is the way it's going to happen but my my initial reaction just when i heard some like of the the scuttle about it is i do think that at some point the NCAA doesn't really have much of an option about which way they want to go because right. it's kind of inevitable they're going to be forced a certain direction. But today, I'm not really sure meant a whole lot, but, you know, it's a start, I guess. Well, yeah, what no, do you I, think? I, it, the NCAA, this is struck me as them buying time. They know that the 
you know, the states like California who just signed their, their, um, you know, their image likenesses, uh, bill, Florida is considering something similar. Kentucky might do something next year in the general assembly, if they can agree on, on some kind of vote, but they're definitely, their hand is being forced. And I was, I was seeing a lot of people kind of like, you know, shout out LeBron James for all his work in making sure, you know, (laughs) know, promoting athletes and stuff. I was like, let's, uh, there's no, yeah, let's not do that. But we can go ahead and talk about, you know, sort of the media thing of this, because as you mentioned, I think it was I I was texting someone and people misunderstand stories all the time. They read headlines, bad headlines. And, oh, this is what this story means when it actually means something completely different. But I don't think I've ever seen in such like huge levels people completely misunderstand <laughs> like the topic sentence and the the basic gist of what something has happened is like certainly on, on not a, a story this big not a story this big you saw the ap totally get it wrong basically say you know just their tweet initially said uh you know ncaa allows players to benefit from their image rights make money off of their images uh, CNBC did something to that degree. You were getting like random accounts like the guys from SB Nation's Banner Society and some random, like not even the real Yahoo Sports account, like the college football Yahoo Sports account was yeah, like, man. hey, like chill out. That's not what is happening. Like, I feel like this was a day of that people were just sitting around. It was like one of those situations where, you know, you're on Facebook and you see a link that's obviously fake. And you're just like, all right, boomer. Like, and that, <laughs> okay, that, that, boomer. That's, that's what you think. And I feel like that was me to like the AP News and, you know, like half of the Internet. They're like, what the hell is going on? And then the other half is like NCAA football, uh, NCAA football. <laughs> that's all they cared about. So it was a weird it was a weird deal. Um, yeah, it, that was the, t- right. the other thing is everyone's like, oh, when are we getting NCAA football? When are we getting dynasty <laughs> mode back? That's really all I care about. And to, which, which the, you know, to mention Banner Society again, they've done so much reporting on like that, that process. And apparently they had already reached out to those guys. And they said, even if like tomorrow they got the okay, it would take two to three years because they have to do all of the modeling of all the stadiums and then, you know, they don't have anything from like past 2014. So it just would take so many years. Um, But anyway, so it, that there was that part of the story, which was funny. I just got annoyed Kurtz because the NCAA is not our friend. They, they are not our ally. And so when we're, when we're giving them free wins like this, like we're, we're, you know, we're playing ourselves. It's, you know, we're the DJ college. Like we're playing ourselves. (laughs) Like it's not, it's not helping anything. And I, um, I've never, I, 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 that's what was frustrating to me about the whole thing. Cause I was like, why are they, why are people just not taking the opportunity to read (laughs) and not let the NCAA, you know, get a free win off this? Yeah, I mean, I when it comes to the situation in general, I think I do have a little bit more optimism, strangely enough, um, than, <laughs> the, the, than some other people. Just because I think that this is the first time that the NCAA has had to make a decision where there are real repercussions 
that if they don't move and they don't do something, that they're going to be forced into a situation where I think they're going to be become over time obsolete. Like I, I, I honestly believe that um, it, may, it may take, you know, four years, it may take five years. But in the past, these things that they do to North Carolina, these punishments that they handed down that were, you know, didn't make a lot of sense and didn't take, the, for example, Louisville, like didn't take take into account of, you know, what the school did on their side. Those didn't have real repercussions, but this is a decision that that someone um, is going to have to stand up and show some real reader, real leadership because it does matter. Um, it matters to the future of them as as an entity. I, I think it's that significant. No, absolutely, and I and I do think you know it will be really interesting. I don't know if I have as much confidence in the NCAA as you. I, it's it's going to take so long. It's another thing people need to understand. I I don't foresee this happening. I think that's for, a big thing. Yeah, it's the NCAA. I just, I don't, I don't see them. You know, if there's one thing we can count on the NCAA to do, it's to take as long as physically possible to do this. So right. I don't see this happening. Like at the earliest three years. Like that was the thing about the California bills. They said, oh, it's going to happen in like 2022. I think is is when their like their bill comes into effect. Right. So. I think they know the NCAA is going to take forever. I think Florida's bill was, that's being written is a little is much different. It says twenty twenty, something to that effect. It's gonna we're going to hear about this again in a year, and that's when the NCAA is going to start a committee, and then it'll take that committee a year and a half, and then the board of directors and all the schools will vote on it, and it's probably not going to be what I think you know college sports Twitter wants it to be. So I don't know. I, it's it, it's really interesting. I think this is definitely a first step towards progress. I just am skeptical about the process that it will take to get it to where we want it to be. I don't know. It's, yeah, it's I mean, oh, it, so many unknowns. Everything is going to be skeptical about the NCA until they they prove themselves otherwise. But it doesn't right. help the situation when when they make these announcements and there's so much gray area. Using words like opportunity, not clarifying yeah. whether, you know, in these situations, if a, if a basketball player is, you know, negotiating these, these deals with these businesses to be able to use their likenesses, whether they can hire an agent or have someone in the room that is an expert vice that can, you know, look at these situations and say, hey, this isn't right or this is the way it needs to be laid out. Um, there's, a, there's a lot of questions. Um, yeah, so, yeah, man. Um, Optimism, for sure, um, is definitely necessary when when dealing with the NCA in any capacity. No question, and and it's yeah, it's going to be really interesting. You mentioned you know the NCAA still thinking of it a weird way. They even said in their sort of their their memo that they put out that um, they still believe that the California bill is unconstitutional. They're going to attack it in court. Mm-hmm. So it, it feels more than anything that this is like buying themselves some time. If they'll actually make some progress between now and then, I mean, we're yeah. about to talk about Chris Mack and Louisville basketball. Chris Mack came out and said he's in support of, of, of players making money off their name and likenesses. Yeah. Also said that he didn't think the NCA was an evil empire. Like others thought, which I thought was an <laughs> odd thing in his position to say, but it you is, gotta, you gotta say what you gotta say. <laughs> you gotta say what you gotta say. And you know, the good thing is Chris, you know, we'll, we'll probably end on this. Um, you know, hopefully this happens sooner rather than later because Dabo Sweeney says he'll go do something else once the, the players get paid. Um, so that'd be great. <laughs> Anything else before we really get this thing started? 
Anthony Davis has 11 and 9 in the first quarter. How about that? <laughs> uh, RJ Barrett is the best uh, in the NBA. And that's all we'll talk about that for now. <laughs> Let's start the show. Let's do it. Coming to you from inside the Waterson Expressway. Greatness started in Louisville, Kentucky. It's the only podcast that misses cahoots. This is What High School Did You Go To? With your hosts, Chris Hatfield and Gabe Diverge. Louisville is the greatest. And we're back, Chris. And we we definitely need to start this show. Well, start this segment of the show and just go ahead and talk about the 75, 75 to 65 win Louisville had this evening. Uh, this Tuesday evening against the Bellarmine Knights. Um, we found out 20 minutes before the game started that Steve Enoch was not going to play due to a thigh bruise, which kind of set the tone for me, Chris, early of what I was right. like, well, this is about to be way more uncertain. Um, even yeah. though Bellarmine has always played Louisville tough. And uh, I don't know if you agree with me on Chris. I, th- I think Bellarmine's, you know, if they were a division one school, they wouldn't, I mean, they wouldn't be a bottom dweller by any means. Um, but the, the top line from it, Chris, I think is definitely the Jordan Moore performance. He played, um, he played pretty much the entire game, 38 minutes, uh, had 28 points was 10 of 21 from the field, including five of 11 from three in the second half after Louisville was trailing at halftime. He really took over. Um, the rest of the team did not really shoot well outside of him. Uh, we would be remiss if we met, didn't mention uh, Samuel Williamson, though, who I think was just, you know, probably the second best performer, the second biggest thing that will pop out to you. Um, he had 17 points. Uh, Dwayne Sutton had 18 as well, sort of playing playing the big man role, playing the center role, which is something he says he's been practicing doing, but I'm not sure how well that will work out given this. Right. Um Chris, you know, I know you didn't get to watch, um, you know, the game, the entire game yet. What did you take from these statistics? And, you know, what what did you make of of how we should sort of take this going into next week against Miami? Yeah, I mean, I feel like I have a pretty good handle on it just based upon Twitter and the box scores and kind of the deeper box scores um, and seeing how things went down. And, I mean, you know, as far as, like, what Bellerman did – that's kind of Bellarmine basketball, I think, in, in every exhibition that Louisville's played. Um, even last year, you know, Louisville won by 11, um, and, and and they saw a 19-point, half-point half lead evaporate. So this mm-hmm. is this is kind of what you're going to get against Bellarmine. I would have liked it to not be as close as it was. Right. Um, and I'm not going to sit here and put my head in the sand and say that the Ohio State scrimmage compound with this means completely nothing. Yeah. But in the same token, I <laughs> certainly expect this team to win by double digits against Miami, and nothing I saw today really, really changes that. I mean, one of the things that really stuck out to me when you talk about Samuel Williamson is 6 of 13 shooting, but it didn't affect the rest of his game. Nine rebounds, um, only had two assists, seemed to – you know, not shoot himself out of that slump, but right. let the game come to him. Um, which and is made some pretty key uh, steals as well. Yeah, uh, exactly. So, I mean, getting thrusted into a situation like that early on isn't the worst thing in the world. Um, I mean, how how much did we see Louisville struggle to close last year? Uh, right. How much how much yeah. has Chris Mack talked about toughness and closing and finishing? That's that's been you know it seems like 
whether it's football or, or, or basketball, a, a coach finds an offseason message and they just hammer it home. That's been the one for Chris Mack is finish. Um, so, I mean, that's that's the positive thing. But what, what were your major, major takeaways? Yeah, I mean, outside, I think – the biggest thing to me was just a confirmation that Jordan Ward is the most important player in this team. Um, as our friend Mike Rutherford said, it's a confirmation of what we've kind of been saying is um, Samuel Williamson and Jordan Ward are going to have to play at the same time. They, that's yeah. just, they, I, I think they work really well together um, <clears throat> in, in what we saw from them today. Um, I was really impressed by Samuel Williamson. That kid just, man, he just. He, his shot when it's so pretty coming out, his, his stroke is incredible. Um, he did had some lapses on defense, and I sort of got where. Which is, I mean, gonna happen. As it's a gonna happen as a freshman. I sort of got where Chris Mack mentioned after the Ohio State game that there were some issues one on one. You know, guys, guys for Bellarmine were able to get to the rim pretty mm-hmm. easily on people, yeah. pretty much outside of more uh, pretty consistently and um some of that i think can be attributed to the fact that they don't have the defensive anchors in um in malik williams and and steven enoch and i i don't think we'll be able to fully understand this team defensively until those guys are healthy and in the rotation yeah and um, i mean well, I, well, we've talked about it dude we right. said i mean we we said that i i don't think any you know Despite what Mac has said a little bit, because he's talked about that Darius Perry is one of the few guys on this team that can beat someone down the dribble. I'm not sure I agree with that. But we've talked about, in general, that our concern with this team wasn't the offense. It was defensively. Um, I, I think that's something you probably agree on. I can't really speak to as much uh, of, you know, local defensive performances tonight because that's something that doesn't show in the box score as mm-hmm. quite as well. Um, but I mean, it's, it's gonna, it, it's definitely gonna hurt you when you, when you start Dwayne Sutton at the five and you don't have a, an anchor there in the middle. And something I picked up on the day and, um, Chris Max. I guess post game conversation with Bob Ivano is, yeah. you know, Ripetino always tracked um, deflections, deflections. And, and stuff like that. So Chris Mack actually tracks paint touches and, and yes. how many times a, a team gets the ball to the paint. And tonight he he uh, did that with Bellerman, and Bellerman got the ball into the paint on uh, you know I think it was thirty possessions of their first fifty something like that it was thirty out of forty or thirty out of fifty with a pretty high percentage right, so right. I, I I think that's a pretty legitimate you know question going forward is. That that's been a thing with football basketball for a little while now. Is guys have been getting beat on the dribble, and that if if you want to take something away and be pretty critical, that is something you can talk about for sure. No question, and and just a few a few individual observations. Um, I think sort of the 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 word this summer about Aiden Gahan was um, some caution, and, and I think you really saw that tonight. Mm-hmm. I, I think he. Um, he was not good. He he he. You know, he only played um, only played for seven minutes. Had no shots. Um, had three personal fouls. I think at one point probably should have a fourth. Um, turned the ball over twice. Um, he, it's he's very raw, and it almost. Uh, I had someone kind of text me. You know, I think he'll he'll he has the raw skills. He has the body. He has the physical presence. Um, but it almost looked like he hadn't played people that quick which was kind of weird against Bellman and scares me for any kind of minutes he'll have against AC opponents right um 
I mean, yeah. Louisville played 11 players and five of them didn't score a point. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, that's, that, that, that's, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, for sure. Yeah. And other players that didn't score. Um, I mean, all the other freshmen that played outside of Williamson didn't, um, Ryan McMahon is the other one who, and, and I've, I've I've been told I'm too hard and right, man. So I don't want to I don't want to sound <laughs> like I'm continuing continuing that. But I I continue to be concerned about how many minutes he should have for this play, team. They play I, I, uh, what was the time? Twenty four tonight. I think that's a little too much for my liking as well. <laughs> no, question. I mean, yeah, I would I would say you know twenty range. I would flip flop. Fresh Campbell played eighteen minutes, and Ryman Man played twenty four. I'd be happy if those were flip flopped. I think that would be a better look for Louisville. Um, Chris Matt kind of talked about you know post game that he thought that that Fresh Campbell Fresh Campbell is in the same place that that Christian Cunningham was right. last year, um, and that's in a place where he's just not very good right now. But there's a lot of reasons because of that. You know, he's coming off a knee surgery. He's getting accumulated to a new style. He's getting accumulated to a new type of basketball in the ACC, a new level of basketball. Things you can get away with, and you know, non-power five leagues you can't necessarily do. Um, in the ATC. So, uh, I mean, his, him playing, you know, scoring two, I, I didn't really see him, him scoring two points, uh, you know, one of three. Um, I thought he, that was kind of interesting to me, but no, you know, no turnovers, three assists. I don't know. Did you, did you have any grand statements from his play? For Kimball? No, I, I think, I think that's a very apt description and something I, I sort of wondered sort of the vibe I got was maybe it was going to be, um, for Kimball, it was going to be better, uh, the, sort of a, a quicker acclimation than CC. So maybe that's not something we should really take, you know, take stock of until maybe de- early December, mid December. Mm-hmm. But that makes a lot of sense to me. But you know, I, I think you have when you're talking about Kimball, you kind of have to compare him to to Darius Perry, our guy, hashtag Perryhive, right. um, who had ten points in 34 minutes. But the biggest thing to me. No turnovers, and I think he Perry was really key in that second half, um, where he and, and Mac mentioned this in his press conference. Six of, of uh, Perry's ten points were scored in the second half. Um, that seven rebounds too. Seven rebounds as well, and, and um, that Perry needed to have that explosiveness that um, to, to the rim and get to the rim. And, and it's funny, and I tweeted this that. I don't know how many times it was mentioned tonight that Darius Perry is out of control or that he, or he was out of control last season. And I don't, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe we use that kind of same language, but I almost like hate that language mm-hmm. because I do think the reason why you and I like Darius Perry so much is because he has that athleticism that this team didn't have last season. Um, and and I, I just just to just to compare now, I think Jordan War looks incredibly more athletic. I think he's really toned up, and Williamson is going to add another level of athleticism. So that's not really going to be an issue. But the reason why we wanted to see Perry do that is because he's going to add a level of athleticism to the point guard position. So it's almost like the thing that people are criticizing him for his quote unquote lack of control 
is what he needs to harness and take advantage of to be the best version of Darius Perry he can be. No, I mean, I, I agree. I think the thing that's going to frustrate people, why why Darius Perry is so noticeable with his frustrations and like why he'll jump out to you is because exactly what you said. He yeah. is a rat, radic, but that's exactly what helps him. He is a, a version in the same mold of Russ Smith to where right. he's not as offensively gifted as Russ Smith. He may be... You know, it remains to be seen. He could be very well be as good of a defender as Russ Smith. I, th- I think that's something that where I think he could be as good as him. But you know, anybody that plays that type of uh, with that type of pace and that type of you, you can say out of controlness, but if you harness it, it's a little bit more. It's unpredictability, and it and it, and it helps you. Um, so I mean, he's going to be a guy that that for you know good or better, he's going to upset people. But I think the thing with him is finding that balance. That right. that's what it is. And right. today, the only stat that matters for Darius Perry is the assist stat and the turnover stat. And there's two assists and there's zero turnovers. And if you continue that, you will be starting at point guard. Period. No question. No I mean, question. Uh, to, to me that. I, who who do you think right now are the three best players in this team? Right now, um, I think Mora, Williamson, and Enoch. Oh, I, I mean, it, it, what do you think? What's your answer? What's your answer? I mean, mine would probably be Mora, Sutton, Williamson. I think Sutton is more important. I think Sutton is among. Yeah. If you, I think that's a different question, though. Yeah. So the no, three most yeah, important, exactly. I think it would be Mora. Sutton Perry, three most yeah. important players on the team, yeah. to me. I just, you know, it's, it's something that I, I've been thinking about a lot. Um, <laughs> of you, obviously, everyone will probably say Jordan War is the best and the most important player of this team. Um, but it's something that I don't think I came into his season quite like this, to where I've been in a place where I'm like, you know, hands down, I'm not sure that I can name. The most important players. Yeah, I mean, you look at it. The NIT team. It was Wara, Dingadell, and you know whoever. Yeah. It was, those two were clearly above. And it, coming into last <clears throat> season, it was probably Jordan Wara and probably Stephen Enoch. But this season, it seems to be a little bit more. You can you can sell me on any of these guys. What I'm basically <laughs> saying, and I, I'm not sure if that's that's a good thing or if that's a bad thing. The, the same way I, I think feel we'll about find like, out. Yeah, like so the the whole thing with like the game notes um, coming out and you know Darius Perry being the starting point guard and and Big Man being the the starting two is like you can sell me either way you want to. You can say you know Darius Perry starting at point guard because because he's been so much better than Fresh Kimball or it's very concerning that Fresh Kimball can't come in as a grad transfer and start from day yeah. one when you bring him in to play those minutes. And then you can say the same thing about Ryan McMahon. With the Ryan McMahon thing, I think it's a little bit more of Chris Mack saying, hey, I'm going to motivate this guy and not start Yeah, I think, I think so he, too. I think he's doing the thing. But the point guard thing is, is I mean, it's going to be the conversation we're going to have yeah. all year. It, and it, it's, it's funny It's funny because in, in, you, know, you didn't get to watch the game, so when you go back and watch it, you'll see um, – I don't know how many times they mentioned that David Johnson was would have been the starter. Uh, they, I just they, don't, they, I don't they, believe that. They said it like ten times, and I and and, and I, I don't know, man. Maybe we're wrong, but I just I don't know. Like I feel like I feel like people were 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 grabbing onto summer workouts a little too much on that. 
Um, so no, it's going to be, it's going to be really interesting, but to make, I wanted to make a comparison to Sutton, uh, a soccer comparison, which is going to be really funny to all the people that do watch soccer and then not funny to the people who don't, um, my favorite team, Liverpool, um, their most important player is a guy by the name of Robert Firmino. I don't know who that is, but he's the central forward and in their system, he doesn't he doesn't score like he doesn't he if you look at his stats this guy doesn't shoot he has like assists to assists a lot right he doesn't really stuff like hockey assists yes he has hockey assists but he's the most important player and like i think at the end of last season there was a rumor that barcelona was you know one of the richest soccer teams in the world it's like oh we're gonna spend like a hundred million dollars on this guy and the manager for liverpool said no he's legitimately the most important player on the team (laughs) and everyone's like well you're crazy like he doesn't score that much for you it's like that's not what it's about right and i think sudden is that person it is not a coincidence that the that sutton's best game of the season last year was louisville's biggest win against unc at unc that's not a coincidence so i do think if I had to say, is is there will be games where there are you're more likely to have a game where Jordan Morris scores twenty two points and Louisville loses because Sutton couldn't do anything than Sutton and Mora scoring in the teens and Louisville wins. That's that's when we come back to saying that that Sam Williamson has to be able to play the two right. because if he can't, then Sam Williamson, Jordan Mora, and Dwayne Sutton can't be on the floor at the same time. And if that can't happen, that to me, I I don't think Louisville goes to where they want to go without Sam Williamson and and Jordan Wara and Dwayne Sutting averaging thirty minutes a game. I agree. Like I I just don't. And the thing, I, you know, I tweeted it after the game. The thing that'll keep Sammy Williamson from playing the two is his ball handling skills. It yeah. was a major. It was the major concern. Him coming out of college, that was – you ask any scout, you ask Evan Daniels, you ask any of these guys, the thing that people talked about the most with him that they were worried about was his ball handling skills. Tonight, you know, two turnovers. Not too you'll, bad. You'll live with that. 31 minutes, two turnovers. It, it's when you get to those situations where it's five or six turnovers and it's affecting the rest of his game. You, you can't have those empty possessions and you can't have them – Particularly to me in a season to where there's so much parity. I mean, I I look at the top ten and I, and I don't think usually you can look at it and you say you know one through five and then there's a significant drop off. I I don't see that that drop off this year. So I think in generally speaking, and a lot of these games in conference play are going to be decided by a couple possessions. So. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, uh, we said a lot for an exhibition game against we Miller, but we're just jumping at the bit to talk about basketball. And yeah, it's great and, to be able to talk about it. And we definitely, uh, we were talking before the show, we're going to have sort of our traditional preview show next week. And it actually kind of sets up well because we, we won't have a football game to talk about. Um, but we'll have some more to announce in regards to what we'll be doing basketball season and um as as you guys probably saw uh my tweets about you know what things are you know what's going to be happening and you know we'll see so um yeah more to come on that more to come on that for sure um but let's move forward you know to to speak of the devil in terms of football um we've had a pretty good win (laughs) over over the weekend chris um we would have started the show doing a victory lap if we recorded like on a monday but 
uh, since we recorded a little bit later, we definitely had to get to the basketball talk out of the way. No question. Um, so, you know, we, we were recording this, of course, on Tuesday. Louisville gets the big win over Virginia. And just a question for you, Chris, because you were there as well. I was there, 20-21 Louisville wins. Um, what did it feel like for you? How how do you kind of place this game in the recent Cardinal history? Because to me, it felt so much, really big. I'm having so much damn fun going to these games, dude. <laughs> like, I mean, just so much fun. Um, I think it's weird for me because, like, last year was obviously last year. The year before, to some extent, I was still covering a little bit of games as, like, a yeah. media media member. Um and so it wasn't like the true like fan experience, and I don't know, man. It was just like the the stadium would, for you know most of the part, felt like it was half empty. It also like at some point felt like it picked up a little bit. I don't I don't know. Like halftime, it seemed like there were more people there after halftime than were there before. It was kind of weird. Um, <laughs> they certainly but, were louder. <laughs> yeah, it was it was absolutely rocking. Um, Man, it was yeah. I mean, it was it was hella fun, dude. Like I, I had an absolutely great time. No, no question. I I, I only said that because I think for me, I, I know there are other wins that are probably more important, but that felt like the most important win since Florida State. Yeah, I I just think that is a turning point. That was Louisville battling back. I mean, even that's an improvement from that Florida State game. You know, the, earlier this year mm-hmm. where they blew it and. um I just was really impressed with how the team responded, and that felt like a momentous moment in here's what this football team is going to be. They're going to battle for 60 minutes. They are going to run the ball down your throat. You're going to know they're going to run the ball, and they're still going to score touchdowns. And I think they're going to, you know, defensively, I think we saw sort of what what they're going to want to do. Um, in terms of, you know, locking, you know, they were able to lock a pretty mobile quarterback down. There was an injury in there, but um, that was an impressive defensive effort as well. Um, I think the biggest takeaway for me, Chris, and I, I, I don't know anyone, I don't know, I don't know many people. I'm sure there are people who don't have this takeaway, but for me, uh, it's that Mikhail Cunningham is the starter, is the quarterback and shouldn't be subbed out in the second quarter ever yeah, <laughs> unless I, I, needed. And I'm not sure if that's actually going to be something that's going to change. I mean, yeah. as much – if we're going to have one gripe with Scott – so we, we've we got to this point, at least for me, it's not in the same capacity. But, you know, last year when Mobile went on the road – I've mentioned this already once, but when Mobile went on the road and they, they won in Chapel Hill and they won by 20, we were like – we came on this podcast and we were like, all right, time to talk about this basketball team a little bit differently than we were talking about. Yeah. I think we're almost there with the basketball team to where, like, obviously at this point the expectation is to go to a bowl game. Right. So now we can be a little bit more critical of things that happen in the game. The decision to bring Evan Conley in the game at that moment and to continue to play him was absolutely terrible. I I understand that, you know, field position and situational stuff right. matters and there's context to the situation. It was not the best setup for Evan Conley, but there's a few reasons why I feel so strongly about this way. One is that Mikel Cunningham has been a guy that is prone to injury. Right. So if you're going to bring Evan Conley in and Evan Conley gets hurt, you're one play away from Tutu Atwell being your quarterback. Yeah. Two, 
I felt like that Louisville completely wasted a quarter. And it was, <laughs> I mean, it, it just, to me, it's like, it's almost like Scott Satterfield is forcing, he, he really wants Evan Conley to be the guy, but he he hasn't been able to take the reins. And, like, people actually have film on him now, so it's a little bit easier to, to slow him down. When he comes into a game, they have an understanding of what he's going to do. No question. And, and it, it, it's... It's not a coincidence that the second quarter was Louisville's worst offensive quarter. I just, I don't know. I mean, and listen, Scott Satterfield's defense of it was uh, of the situation was, hey, he won, you know, he won ACC Rookie of the Week the other night, right. and and that's fine. I get that, but it just it just felt it. it I, 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 I'm it not, felt not, forced to me. It felt forced. It, it felt to the point, and I've mentioned this, and I've sort of been shut down by people who know a lot more about football than I do. But it did feel like the offense just wasn't on was was not on the same wavelength. Yeah. Pretty early on. Yes. So I'm just not quite sure when we're going to, you know, Satterfield said, you know, he 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 was pretty resistant to the fact that. It, you know, this should be Mikhail's job when he was asked about it in the post game. So, which was shocking to me, absolutely shocking to me. Um, but I don't know. We'll see. It, it's, it's, they have a bye week. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be shocked if he says they're going to play both guys next week. But I also, I feel like it's like a 60 40 chance he decides that Mikhail's the guy for good. Yeah. Does that make sense? I, I mean, I, I just, to me, it's a little bewildering that he hasn't been able to commit to him um, just yet. I mean, a- after that game, it is – you look at this guy. Uh, Cunningham has a seventh-best QBR in the country. I realize that QBR for some people is a little bit of an obscure stat. But it, to, for me, it's one of the best ways to kind of statistically analyze a quarterback's play. A- against Virginia, he had the second-best QBR in the country that week. So it, it's almost like – you know, I'm not sure he can do much more. Um, so, I mean, I, I think you need a guy that is mobile, particularly when you're going against these really good defenses. Miami right. is another, as awful as they've been, they're another pretty talented defense. I think that has hurt Conley a little bit. Um, so, I mean, that that's obviously the main conversation at this point for me is that, you know, there, there's been no commitment to, to a quarterback, and I, I just, for the life of me, can't figure out why. Um, yeah, I, I think we'll give I think we'll give Satterfield his chance to kind of rectify it this yeah. week. But if he doesn't, if he doesn't, I think it's a, it's pro, it's so far it's been his biggest mistake, and it's not really cost them yet. Um, I, I, I do wonder what the conversation is if that Chandler Jones doesn't get that interception. They go down the field, they score, yeah. and Louisville loses about a touchdown. Yeah, because I, 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 I we haven't got to a point to where there's been any, you know, everyone's been justifiably so. They've been absolutely in love with Scott Satterfield, and he really hasn't done much wrong. We haven't gotten to a point to where, you know, I, the Boston College game would have been won. They would have lost that game. You would have saw some criticism. But we haven't gotten to a post game to where there's been any real criticism of Scott Satterfield. I, I, I do think that we would have got it there. Um, I, I don't know. Did you want to talk any, like, a little bit more about the defense? Because I, to me, that was that that was pretty impressive to me. I wanted to go back and check to see 
I didn't get to do this, but I want to go back and check to see the participation report to see if like any guys that hadn't played all season played in this game. Because I know we had talked about like the the whole like red charting thing and how maybe yeah no I I didn't get to see that but I um it it did seem like you know uh, this definitely was the best you know the best performance that the Louisville defense had had um you know all year long um they were able to hold Virginia to four and a half yards per play which you know you know decently high I'm honestly um. Chuck wasn't lower. They, they turned the ball over twice on him. Mm-hmm. Um, they were able to really do a great job late, which is is good. I'm just looking at the the expanded box score from um, from uh, Bill C. From I always forget his last name. Yeah, Bill Conley. Yeah, uh, I mean, for his me, third like, quarter. Yeah, the third quarter was they were just they they held them down. Uh, you know, 36 percent success rate. Um, that was the first time Lola had closed a game. Yeah, no, that's that's and that's what I really want to talk about is yeah, they played the prevent defense late, but I mean to be able to I, I think that the, that third quarter was that third quarter and the first half of the fourth quarter were so important. Mm-hmm. Um just to be able to to regain regain control on defense and give Mikhail Cunningham opportunities to to take the lead or to tie the game, take the lead and then expand that lead again it was it was just they were able to do a lot of things on uh, the you know preventing the passing game from really getting going and um you know there, of course there was there was the issue with virginia's quarterback um who had had you know had a little bit of a um of an injury apparently and is a, you know he's a mobile quarterback right. uh, but they were able to get some sacks on him and 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 that's something that this this defense hasn't been able to do pretty consistently all year um so they had uh, four sacks uh the um in, in the game in total and and i think they're almost they're already over what they had last season yeah um, i mean the, they, they're the, starting to get better the pass rush is getting better and better every game I, I, honestly to me the, yeah they're kind of getting to a point to where you can kind of bank on a few sacks a game um yeah i mean going forward <laughs> I I don't even know what my expectation is at this point because it feels so like out of like it's it feels so ridiculous to say that you know Louisville should be a seven eight win team like it, to me it just feels so ridiculous to say that but like I know a lot of lot a lot of the analytics like Miami for whatever reason I've watched them two three times and they have looked god awful and for the life of me I can't really understand why um, you know the numbers like them so much but maybe it's just the defense but going forward I mean NC State that seems like a game that Louisville should win Syracuse really seems like a game that Louisville yeah. should win um Kentucky, I have no idea what the hell to do with them because I still really cannot figure out what's going on with Kentucky yeah, football. Um, but I don't know. I mean, the, the Orange Bowl is a thing that could possibly happen. Um, <laughs> That's so, if they went out. Which, yeah. uh, well, I mean, which, not, not even went out. They could win their three conference games and lose right. to Kentucky and still go. But, I mean, like, it's there. It's a thing that, you know, was within reach, which is wild. <laughs> yeah, I think I think that Miami game is going to be really interesting because I'm right there with you. I, I we've been in two situations against coastal teams now that they they're very you know, heavily favored. Um, the analytics say that they should beat Louisville pretty easily, and they haven't. Yeah. So 
I, I you know, is the third time to charm? Is this going to be the third coastal team that finally, or I mean, Wake Forest isn't a coastal team, but you, you get what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, you know, Virginia being the other coastal team. Um, I don't know. I, it, it, Virginia, again, I, they didn't start their be- their better quarterback over the weekend. I don't know who they're going to start against Louisville. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll see about that. Um, they, Louisville, uh, the S&P from ESPN's Bill Connolly said uh, Louisville has a 23.1% chance of winning uh, at Miami. I just say that you're right. It just feels low. It just feels low. I mean, I just, yeah, I just, like Miami hasn't put up over 20 points in a month. And I mean, they only did it. <laughs> they only did it against Virginia Tech. And uh, I'm looking here and Virginia Tech and North Carolina. I'm not going to count Bethune Cookman in there. Sorry. Um, but I just can't imagine a scenario where like Louisville loses 21 to 17. Like to me, if they're going to lose, it's going to be like 30 to like 24. Like, I, yeah. I can't imagine at this point, you know, I mean, <laughs> Clemson is obviously an outliner in every conversation that you have, but I can't imagine, like, Louisville being held under 20 points and being just beat solidly. Like, I, I, Louisville, I just don't see theory, that. In theory, Louisville played a tougher defense in Virginia. Virginia right. had yeah. – Virginia was 13th in uh, defensive yards uh, – yards per play and that was after losing to louisville so Mm -hmm. they had a you know a better defense before that miami is 19th um and then also miami is outside of syria well i guess miami's the the best offense um in in that 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 they'll play for the rest of the season but only 60 seconds so it's like you know it's not that good they're not really a great offense (laughs) yeah so i mean i don't know i think the point is that just feels way more like a toss-up to me. It doesn't feel like I'm going in this game and saying, man, Louisville's going to have to force three turnovers and no. Malik Cunningham's going to have to play perfect to Louisville to win this game. That That's like it, you don't need a bunch of oddities to Louisville to pull out the win. I don't see it that way. It's I completely not, agree. It's not going to be a crazy atmosphere easily. It's not exactly like they've been selling out every game down there. So, yeah, there's that I, too. I, I, feel, I feel good. The, the Satterfield North Carolina thing, I, I think it's going to be a thing. We're not, we haven't talked a whole lot about it. Um, but I mean, he went into Wake Forest one. I, I just see him doing that at NC state. So I feel like that's a win to me. Before we get off of the whole football conversation, I did wanted to know if like you had seen any kind of the talk about Scott Satterfield, maybe upset with some of the attendance. It was weird oh, to no. me. He sent out, so he sent out an email to I, I don't know if it was season ticket holders or if it was just some type of exclusive list or or how it happened, but he sent out an email after the game, personally thanking like I guess the people that went to the Virginia game, and it's basically there's a quote from him that says I just want to thank our fans who came at the day they were loud and they were into it all the way to the end and we were really thankful for that. Thank you for braving the weather last week in Cardinal Stadium. Your support helped Louisville football pull out a huge ACC win. Your tears cut through the rain and gave our guys the motivation they needed to tough it out. We couldn't have done it without you. On behalf of Director of Athletics, Vince Tyra, Coach Satterfield, and the entire Louisville football program, thank you for your incredible support last Sunday afternoon. That was obviously like some type of you know marketing email that got sent out. But I, but I saw that, and then I saw that on top of a bunch of – 
the best way to describe it is just exclusively like Twitter rumors about yes. that Scott Satterfield yeah. may be upset with attendance. And I don't know, man. Do you think there's like any validity to that? Louisville football has the weirdest like fan base in America. I will say that. <laughs> I I think I, th- I I get the vibe from Satterfield that he's not Charlie Strong and he mm-hmm. doesn't think about that way too much. I. I think he understands that there had been – I mean not to call out our weather people, but literally I was told all week that it was going to be like a freaking monsoon. Right. So <laughs> – and that it was going to be the rainiest day of the month <laughs> and we were going to break all these records. <laughs> and um, so I, 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 I think he's smart enough to do it, but I do think – I, I do sincerely hope that they show up for Syracuse. Yeah, I I, I really do because I think I, I I think that's a real opportunity to send this team off, um, you know, win or lose against Kentucky, and just really really show the support of how appreciative they are. That's if there's rumors about things after that, that's when I'll believe it. Yeah, and I mean in general, and this like this literally isn't me calling out fans or or, or a bad or a good thing, but Louisville football fan base is just a weird fan base. Like it really is. There are a lot of times that I've been on the field or in the stands and that place is absolutely bonkers. And it's as loud as any place that I've been. I've been, I've been to Clemson. I've been to a a decent, a fair amount of of football stadiums. And when Louisville football, the the fans bring it, that place is absolutely rocking. But there's a lot of times where you're looking around and you're like, man. There's not that many people here, but it's loud as hell. Yeah. So it it was something I wanted to bring up. Um, I I think we kind of want to close here on, you know, (laughs) I mean, we're a week away from election. So, yeah. Literally today, we're a week away from the election, Chris. Um, there's I, been I'm, like, I'm anxious as hell, dude. I, to, a few things. I'm I'm very ready for this to be over. <laughs> I feel like we've talked about it a hundred times, mm-hmm. and I'm just ready for. I'm ready to know what's going to happen, and, right. and I'm. We've gotten to the point where I feel like I'm getting as many Daniel Cameron and Greg Stumbo ads as I'm getting Matt Bevan and Andy Bashir ads. <laughs> so I'm tired of that. Right. Um, one more week of ads, which is is, is going to be fun. Um, but I've, I've kind of been intrigued by, I think there's been three debates in like the past week. And they've all they, they've kind all of been, been like kind of jam packed here. They've all been really different too. Like one of them, basically it was just Bevan and Bashir pointing guns at each other right. and just like screaming at each other. That was the, um, not this one, but the one before, right? The one, well, two ones before. Yeah, and then this yeah. last one was Bevan just sounding really dumb because he kept like, he basically was just kind of, it almost looked like he didn't prepare. Mm -hmm. And, and then this past one, which it seemed like I was, I was reading tweets from, from noted, uh, noted Twitter superstar. It me coop from Northern Kentucky. <laughs> yes, who, his, uh, his breakdown was absolutely fantastic. I, I would really that. recommend it. I'll link it in the show notes. Uh, <laughs> but he live tweeted it and he lives in Northern Kentucky. And Matt Bevan in that debate said that he supported, um, supported tolls for the bridge that they've mm-hmm. been trying to build there for like 20 years. And apparently that is just like upset 
everybody. Yeah. And I saw Philip Bailey retweet a donor, like a well-known donor in Northern Kentucky say, I'm not voting for Matt Bevin because he's, he's cool with tolls. Mm-hmm. <laughs> which is, which if that ends up being the difference, I'm just going to die. What's weird That's about that. the funniest things. <laughs> just... What's weird about that is if you look at like, like the primary, there was that noted line in, in Northern Kentucky where go for just like kind of destroyed Matt Bevin. Yes. So that feels like to me that would be like an area that he's he's trying to you know make peace with and and, and kind of want to solidify because traditionally I I feel like that's a pretty like strong code for Republicans, right? Yeah, northern. I mean, northern Kentucky has been it because it's, those have been the you know sort of the the wealthier suburbs of, of Cincinnati in right, some ways. Right. You know, people who don't want to pay Ohio taxes and have nicer houses in in northern Kentucky. I do, and that's sort of. I'm glad you kind of mentioned that because I do sort of wonder if that area will sort of be do what it's done, what what kind of the suburbs have done in the rest of the country, where they've been a little more apt to vote for Democrats. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, those people might not care as much about, um, you know, abortion or Donald Trump. They, right. they, you know, um, they're a little more apt to, to vote for someone that, that, um, that, you know, aligns more with them. So I'll be very interested to see how that goes. Um, man, it's going to be, it's, it's, I'm just rolling through Philip, uh, uh, Phil Bailey's tweets and just people just mad about tolls. It's so funny. Um, <laughs> that's, that's I can't a, believe that that, that might that, legit I be. I mean, a, that, a thing. That, that, that's the one thing factor that we never considered coming a, a, into any part of this election. So that's absolutely beautiful. It does seem like <laughs> Bevan has really hurt his sort of final argument. Um, well, he's he's given just Bashir some ammo for his final argument. He's said that he never talked about. So last debate, he said he never gave this line about uh, one person, you know, a person killing themselves every day in a casino. Yeah, I'm paraphrasing there. Um, So he said he never said that and it's not on tape. And then immediately the Bashir campaign is like, here it is. It's on tape. (laughs) This is this dude is straight up lying. And I feel like you're going to hear that a hundred times before Election Day. Yeah, I mean, it was. It was. Yeah. I, it, I mean, I was just say it was kind of noteworthy to me. I can't even remember the exact figures or who actually tweeted them. This is terrible preparation by me. But I did see that that Andy Bashir spent a little bit more money than Matt Bevin on campaign ads going into this final week exclusively, which it had seemed like to me that just from a visual perspective in Jefferson County that the Matt Bevin ad, ads had been like two to one. Um, in favor of Matt Bevin. So that, to me, was a little bit interesting. I do think you're going to see that a lot because there's been a lot of like odd missteps by Matt Bevin here at the end. And I didn't anticipate him even like doing anything like this. I thought it would be a very right. safe debate towards the end. And it seemed like to me it was just like attack, attack, attack. And I, I thought it would be a little bit less on that as we got down to the nitty-gritty here. Yeah, I completely agree. It's it's you know it. I'm you know just to mention what you were talking about with the attack ads. Uh, J- J- Jason Riley of WDRB po- posted a. Did you see this? This postcard that someone I don't know if he got it or yeah, someone he knows got it. That was like you know comparing Bashir to you know, AOC, Bernie, and Warren, and yeah. saying they want to bring socialism to Kentucky. Yeah, uh, which seems like it went to someone in Louisville. But I do wonder if that money is going to Northern Kentucky, if it's going to Eastern and Western Kentucky. Um, it does seem it does seem like a lot of it is going to Lexington. This, I think this is like 
this is a little bit off topic from what you were saying, but we can we can head back to like the the geographic stuff in just no, a no, second. No, no, it's fine. It's but fine. This is like a little weird to me, and it may just be a reflection of Republicans in 2019. But it, it is odd to me some of the stuff that has became. I don't know if they became issues in the election, but it's things that Matt Bevin or, you know, support groups of Matt Bevin that have talked about that have suddenly uh, became issues in Kentucky. You talk about immigration, like that matters to anyone in, in Kentucky. I mean, realistically, immigration is not an issue that a lot of Kentuckians face um, as far as like where their state is geographically. Right. Um, right. the, the NRA has been running hella ads on radio talking about how Amy Bashir wants to take your guns and aligning him with, with Beto, which to me is weird. And then the postcard <laughs> that, that, that Jason Riley talked about was Amy Bashir wants to bring socialism to Kentucky, which to me, like I, I replied back and I was like, you know, Andy Bashir wants to bring as much socialism to Kentucky about the same way that Louisville fans wanted Virginia to win a national championship of basketball. I, I, I think Andy Bashir is the furthest thing from a socialist. <laughs> um, so I don't know. Maybe it's just a reflection of like, you know, there's this message being sent out by Trump and by uh, Republicans at large. And we're just going to follow that in all statewide elections, whether they're they're an issue or not. But it's been kind of a weird thing just for me to see. Yeah, no, no, that's a good point. And the article, uh, there was a, a New York Times article that came out from one of their top yeah. reporters today, basically talking about that, like sort of said this is the first post impeachment, you know, start test of kind of the, the Trump regime. And, you know, Bashir has been very clear that this election isn't about that. So I, I, I don't know. Um, you know, you mentioned, you know, the Trump Pence thing. Uh, Pence is going to go to London, Kentucky, Somerset, Corbin and Williamsburg in eastern Kentucky on Friday, um, which our friend uh, Robert Caney, Caney mentioned that that's that's probably really smart of them. Um, because Bevin was so weak in Eastern Kentucky during the primaries and those areas will probably be very receptive to Pence. And then of course we've got the big, um, on Sunday, I believe, or is it Sunday or Monday when there's going to be the big Trump rally at Rep Arena, I, Trump Arena for one day only. I thought uh, it was Sunday. After you told me about your dream, I, I, I've, I've circled that in my calendar. Um, I'll have to make sure I remember that one. I totally forgot about that. <laughs> Good times. Good times. Uh, yeah, that's not that's not pod worthy. Um, <laughs> honestly, don't even remember what the dream was, and now I feel like we. Got um, it was something along the lines of Trump holding up a Kentucky basketball jersey that had oh, been presented to him. And I still think that's a possibility. So it's not. Listen, it's not a zero percent chance. That's all I'm gonna say. Like a, like and, a, it's like a solid chance. I feel like. Oh man, and I'll feel so bad for some of my Kentucky fan friends, but I will. I will use that as ammo. That that would be used for you know the next four or five years. But anyway, um, the, with all that being said. Um, yeah, so that's that's a whole other. I'm glad you mentioned. I mean, the national component of it because that is that's going to be shoved down our throats for the next few days. And yeah, all of these final argument uh, ads, you know, from from Bevan have had the shots of him on Air Force One, mm-hmm. and that's definitely you know on top of all the illegal immigration and abortion stuff. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know really even if we get them in Kentucky 
you know, to the degree that I would like them. But I would love to see some exit poll questions on just how many people decided to vote for Matt Bevin because Donald Trump support supported Matt Bevin. And it wasn't really a function of them voting for Matt Bevin as governor, but they did it because Trump wanted them to. I, that, that to me is absolutely fascinating about this election. That's going to be really hard to get, but man. I mean, you're, you're, you're I, never, I, mean, I don't think you're ever really going to be able to get it. But to me, it's like I said that at the beginning of this, you know, at this point, I feel like it was probably a little bit off base. But I said this at the beginning of this election. I was wondered how much Trump would align himself with Matt Bevin just because how unpopular Matt Bevin has been. Um any, you know, he's he's stuck right to him. Uh, he's got the tweets pretty often. He's got the same copy and pasted tweets that a lot of governors have got, but he's got the tweets nonetheless. Um, so that to me, that's that's a fascinating angle, particularly in Eastern Kentucky. If these people are voting for Matt Bevin because Trump said so, or they're voting for Matt Bevin because they want to vote for Matt Bevin. It's it's yeah, that's the question that's and we're going to find out because I do think if I do think you, you know, we won't have that data after Bevin wins. I don't, I don't think we'll get that data like to, we'll be able to answer that question. But I do think you'll be able to infer that people were people came home. If, if Bevin wins, it's because people came home. Right. He won in 2015 by nine percent. Um may I can transition to this and not to not to give it's it's politics is not quite like sports in which we can predict a score, but what, what, what do you think? What do you think is going to happen? How close is it going to be? Who's going to win? I think we're going to be up late, late, (laughs) um, trying to figure this out because I think this is going to be absolutely razor thin. Um, I do, you would ask me two weeks. And I think we're in a unique situation because, it's going to take a long time for Western Kentucky to come in and, um, kind of notoriously, and that's an area that that Bashir can could could potentially you know kind of close it out. Yeah, I think not we're, by I, winning, but by having closer margins. I think we're going to go into Western Kentucky, and I think a lot of people are going to be saying this thing's over uh, for Matt Evan because yeah. I, I anticipate that Andy Bashir has told his supporters this, and I also to me it makes sense just from spinning. You know, a, a little bit of time there and doing a little bit of sign watching, whether that means anything, it may not. But I, I anticipate that Andy Bashir is going to do much better in Western Kentucky than, than he maybe even expects. And I think he's going to do worse in Eastern Kentucky than he expects. Um, <laughs> so, man, I, 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 you know, I, I don't know that I want to give a prediction. I know. I don't either. <laughs> I, I think I just want to leave it be. Um, here, here's here's the prediction I'm going to give. I'm going to say, I'm going to say, no matter who wins, it's going to be less than five percent. And I'm going to say that Jefferson County comes out in a number that hasn't been seen in some quite some time. That'll be my prediction. Yeah, if Jefferson County turns out to sort of midterms levels, I mean, like you can go back. I think I think I don't remember who mentioned this, but if you go back and you look at 2016 or, or I'm sorry, in 2018, mm-hmm. I mean, Louisville knew that they weren't voting for anything, you know, that, you know, they, they weren't going to win the, the Senate race in 2018. Right. But they but they came out in huge margins to vote for John Yarmouth. Mm-hmm. And if you see anything close to that, that's huge for Bashir. Yeah. That's just going to be massive for him. Yeah, and I 
I, I think it will be massive for Bashir because I do, like I said, I, I think Jefferson County will come out in droves. Like, I, I'm uh, at some point this week, I may actually write about this. Um, we, we need to do a newsletter again. It's actually been, we do my, need to do it's been, it's been my fault, but I may write about this. I think both of us writing about some type of election thing would probably be fitting. So I, I may just take a little trip down the history book and see like the past governor's races and see like the numbers that you may need in Jefferson County and just put a guesstimate because I, I think that you're going to see potentially a number that astonishes a lot of people. Um, That's yeah. a good idea. Yeah, that's a good idea. And I think with that, we'll close it out, Chris. Um, Very excited. It's going to be a very, very interesting week. So definitely keep an eye out for the newsletter. As I mentioned, we'll have some announcements uh, in the next week or so about some exciting things. Basketball season is starting. I'm calling this episode crossover season because I always feel like this. This is such a weird time of the year. Sports equinox. It's a sports. We had sports equinox here today, but this is like a really cool time when it, when both teams are good, um, both the football team and the basketball team. It's such a fun and special time in this area. So, um, really excited for that to to be the case again. It was not the case last year. Any any last words before we close out, Chris? No, man. I think we covered it. Um, we got a hell of a exciting week coming up next week, and I'm definitely excited to be to be talking about it and, you know, bringing everyone some content. So I'm looking some, forward some to Some new and unique content, guys. Uh, and that will do it. You know, go Cards. Uh, go go Bashir. Beat Bevin, <laughs> as, as, all the, as all the signs are saying. Um, thanks, guys. We'll, we'll see you next week.